Michelle Donnelly, and this is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose, and that you can do it right through the things that God is carrying you through in your season as a single mom. Here we talk about all of the things that matter to a single mom, but most of all, I hope you found a place where you feel like you belong. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly. Today's conversation centers around the practice of naming. And foremost, we're going to talk about how lies and false names that are spoken over you, especially in your earliest years, can really end up distorting your sense of yourself and your sense of the way that God sees you. I'm joined in this conversation by Aubrey Sampson, and Aubrey shares just how devastating these lies and false names can be, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. But then she also gives us some insight into how we can have an encounter with the living God as we allow Him to rename us. Something exciting is in the works, and we are adding a new segment to the Christian Single Moms podcast in which we'd like to feature you. On our website, you can record a question that you'd like to have answered or share something that God has been teaching you in this season. Submissions can be anonymous and may be played right here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. For more details, check out the link down in the show notes. Something I've learned in my season as a single mom is that loneliness actually does not have that much to do with being alone. Hurt from our relationships in the past causes us stress around relationships in the present. And the ways that we have learned to deal with that stress can help us to feel safe, but actually keep us away from the meaningful relationships that we desire. To start to unravel this, to identify your stress style and discover the pathway to healing, you can take our quiz called What's Your Stress Style? And you'll find a link for that down in the show notes. The process of being renamed by God is a pursuit, but it's also something where we can see where the Lord has been pursuing us. Here is my conversation with Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey, I'm excited to have you with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. I love who you are. I love what you do. And I'm so honored to get to be a part of it. So thank you so much. I'm so excited for us to chat. such a warm welcome. Thank you. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Aubrey, I'm excited for this conversation too, because when it comes to our recovery and when it comes to healing from really difficult things, Mm -hmm. I always say that counseling is a great tool for us to have, but for us to experience real transformation there are things that we can only really discover in a relationship with God. And naming is central to that experience. And this is something that you dive into great detail in in your book, Known. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know if you would give us some familiarity with this concept of naming Mm -hmm. and then also how traumatic naming experiences can end up distorting our view of ourselves. Yes. It's such an important topic, isn't it? And I, I think, Michelle, it's actually something that we we live with and we carry this concept of our namedness, but we're we're not always thinking about it. So um sometimes we, you know, we we recognize that there's a name that we speak over ourselves or that someone else has spoken over us. You know, anytime you think I'm to this or I'm not this enough or I, you know, fill in that blank. I'm stupid. I'm needy. I'm, I'm a coward. I'm, I mean, you know, you fill in that blank. Our heads get noisy. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we walk around naming ourselves that way, or maybe there's been a critical, toxic, abusive person in our life who has named us in those ways, it can really imprison us in a way that I think sometimes we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And I am so deeply passionate about, especially women of God, knowing the names that God has for them and knowing the names that the Lord speaks over them and knowing the names that God wants to root out of their souls so that they can, we can walk in victory and walk with our heads held high and walk, like you said, with healing. And I think it's such an important part of our of our healing journeys. 
to be able to invite the Holy Spirit in to both reveal the false names we've been living under and then, you know, by his mercy and power, ask the Lord to, to eradicate those names from our souls, but then replace them with the names he has for us. And we can dive into that a little bit more, but generally, um, I think this is so important because it, it impacts our day-to-day life and we almost don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. I think that's so key what you just said, because it's insidious how these false yeah. names, these lies get implanted into us. And even to the extent that we might say, well, I'm just not this kind of person mm-hmm. that we associate it with even a, a personality trait that we might think is inborn, that we are just the certain way. And that's the way that we have to navigate through life. Certainly for myself, it was all of these lies that just caused me to believe, well, maybe I'm, I'm just kind of a shy person. And it wasn't until I went through significant brokenness that God could show me, no, this is a heap of lies that's on top of you yeah. that has nothing to do with how I created you. And as a matter of fact, this is an affront and an assault to how I created you. And when we can start to dig that stuff up though, we have the ability then to allow ourselves to be renamed as you alluded to there. Can you talk about the biblical basis for naming yeah. and how significant that is biblically? Yeah, I would love to do that. I, I do want to just, you just said something I think that was so powerful, Michelle, when you said, you know, one of the names you were living under was I'm just too shy. And I I think what you just said is so important because that feels like it's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like sometimes mm-hmm. when we have a conversation, we're only thinking of like, I'm so terrible. I'm so sinful. I, like we're thinking of the big sort of right. insults that we speak over ourselves. Shy feels innocent, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think this is where we have to be so careful of the enemy's tactics to be able, like you said, to name that thing and realize that like, no, that wasn't who God had created you to be. And that was right. keeping small and keep probably, I mean, I don't know everything about your No, hundred percent. It was keeping me small. It was keeping me limited. It made me believe that I didn't really have anything worth saying anyway. And so ha ha, like (laughs) turn of events that, you know, God has totally changed the game for me, but it was something, as you said, seemed kind of innocent, seemed like a personality trait when really it was rooted in shame. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, I, that's, that's so powerful right there. I'm mm. so glad you had that. Um, so the biblical basis for this concept, I mean, all throughout scripture, we see the Lord doing this ministry. I mean, there's, of course, there's many times in the Old Testament, you think about Abraham and, and Sarah. And um, when God called them, God renamed them. You, you think about um, Jacob. When God um, called him and met him, God renamed him. And you know, another, another really, of course, like powerful name change story is God changing Jacob's name to Israel. And here's what I love about that story. As I was researching for this book, I realized that God changed Jacob's name at um, the river called Jabbok. Okay. J-A-B-B-O-K. So remember that, you know, this is the Old Testament culture is an auditory culture. Stories are told orally. So anyone hearing that story is going to recognize the um, almost the mirror image of those two names, Jacob and Jabbok. I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm not saying them exactly correct, but like Jacob, Jabbok, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyone hearing that story would recognize that God was like bringing Jacob face to face with himself and removing that deceiver image, removing that false image, and instead renaming him as Israel, the one who has you know suffered and wrestled with God and. I think that's sort of the key is that we see the Lord do that. He brings uh, people all throughout scripture to the end of themselves. And when he renames them, it's to transform them. It's to change them. It's to heal them. And then I think just one of the most powerful stories we see is in, is in Genesis one, God creates Adam and Eve and then declares over them that they are very good. And I, I don't know that we, we dwell in that enough just in Christian culture in general, because Mm -hmm. I think we're so quick to rush to the fall in Genesis three. Mm -hmm. And we're so quick to talk about how broken and sinful and terrible and ugly and muddy, you know, you name it. We say it in church, how eroded we are. And look, I never want to minimize our sinfulness. Like we need to be aware of our sinfulness to understand what greatest salvation we have in Jesus. But I don't think we give enough 
space to the fact that the very first, you know, foundational piece of our identity is God calling us very good and God speaking a blessing over us. And, you know, that word very good is this beautiful word in Hebrew that actually contains so many other words. You're beloved. You're my masterpiece. I am satisfied with you. You are perfect harmony. There's all of these definitions within that phrase, very good. And so if you can imagine, you know, before Adam and Eve did anything, simply because they existed, God was already speaking dignity over them and delight over them and destiny over them and satisfaction and celebration over them and naming them so beautifully. And we see God, I mean, again, we see God do that all throughout the Old Testament. Of course, there are stories in the New Testament as well. And then anecdotally, I mean, there are stories of God doing this for his children um, all the time, just through ministry and through other people and in churches. And I, I just don't think we can, we can forget that God loves, loves, loves to just sweetly and kindly rename his daughters, especially those who are hurting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes I think it, it's being bold enough to just sort of ask like the Lord, Lord, the way you've moved throughout scripture, the, the way that you've moved in other people's life, would you be kind enough to show me what your name is for me? And, and God is so beautiful and so intimate with us that he shows up in that prayer. Mm-hmm. And let me say one more thing. Sometimes I think too, we can't forget that even if God doesn't answer that prayer the way we want to, God has given us the name of Jesus. Mm. And so we are covered in his name above every other name. Mm. I love your emphasis here on drawing this out through a relationship and a conversation with the Lord. That was absolutely how he met me. And in some ways it was in answered prayers. In some ways it was hearing in my heart, the Lord saying, daughter to me and allowing me to absorb the name because I heard it in my heart. And that's, that's a, that's an experience with the Holy spirit that you just can never deny. You can never explain it away. You can never say, Oh, but you know, I've done this, I've done that. And there are other ways though. And in other ways, the Lord has met me in scripture. Um, You know, you can read things over and over as far as you're a royal priesthood and you're this and you're that, right. but there is sometimes so hard to receive it. And I was doing a study on Romans and there was, there were, and I can't get into the whole like thing. I like to pull apart though, the meanings of words. And as I was looking at the original Greek that this was written in, I started recognizing words that the Lord had been speaking just gradually like around me were showing up in this passage that finally in that moment, I was ready to receive. This is you. I've been speaking this word over you. And now as you are reading this, jumping off the page, this word that has been around you, I want it now in you. And it's these kinds of experiences though, that bring that transformation that you talked about that where we can say that I was discarded, that I am chosen, where we can say that I was abandoned, that I am beloved, that we have the ability to start reading the stories of these biblical figures and say, that's not just about that other person. That's about me too, right? But we have to understand though, that that is accessible to us, that that is available to us. And I think you made such a critical point here, Aubrey, that a lot of times we're very quick to go, oh, but not me. Oh, you know, but, but I've done this or, you know, but people are sinful. And so there's, and depending on how we've grown up, depending on the lies that have already been spoken over us, even depending on the religious structures and systems that we might've been raised up in, we have a hesitancy or maybe even the idea that we can't really access these things. So when it comes to your experience, for example, you know, when you talk about our first name is beloved, and that's sort of what you've just alluded to here, how did that look for you in being able to learn how to access this? Yeah. So I'll I'll kind of tell you one of my, I have a, a couple really powerful name stories, but I'll tell you one in particular that has to do with my healing and my own trauma. Um, and then kind of explain how I hopefully that answers your question. But I, um, so I was sexually assaulted twice as a teenager, once when I was 13 on a school bus. 
And then another time when I was 17, that was actually an ongoing situation um, by a boss at a restaurant where I worked. And um, as what happens with most women, and I'm guessing a lot of your listeners can relate to that story or they have a story like it. I um, believed that what happened was my fault because I was needy for male attention. And so that name right there, needy, became the name that just implanted itself in the fabric of my heart. And, you know, it's, it's funny looking back on that because needy, I feel like is one of those names culturally that like women don't want to be needy. That's Mm -hmm. just, you cannot be needy, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And I, you know, that name because of the sin of other people in my life, I just spoke it over myself all the time. And I would be in conversations with, you know, friends. Like I remember this so clearly in college, I was having a conversation with someone who was visiting the college and um, speaking at the chapel for the day. I went to a Christian college here in the Midwest. And um, I was just having a normal exchange with this person in the back of my mind was like, you're so needy, you're so needy, you're so needy. And just every conversation I would have or every sort of like even light and fun flirtation with a guy I I was interested in that you're so needy, you're so needy. Just, I mean, it began to imprison me. And I I can remember one day, um, specifically after that conversation that I mentioned, and I write more about this in the book, but um, that conversation at college with that guest speaker, I, I just went home and begged God, like, God, this is enough of this. This is just, this is just killing me to continue to carry this shame from these experiences in such a way that I am naming myself needy. And it, I mean, it is just, I, I need you to heal me. And one thing, you've been on the Nothing is Wasted podcast that I'm a part of with Davey and Christy Blackburn. One of the things that I love that Davey always says is we want God to heal us in poof, but often God heals us in process. Mm-hmm. And this was a process healing. So I prayed that God would heal me from the name needy. I was thinking the Lord's going to do it like that. I mean, it's like 10 years later and it's a journey of like we had talked about earlier, I'm going to therapy. I'm talking with counselors. I'm finally addressing this shame and this pain, but this name needy was still there. Mm. And I will never forget. Let's see. My, my oldest son is um, 15 and a half now. So I had just given birth to him, just given birth to my first son. And I was holding him in the hospital And I, it was just like the Holy Spirit entered that hospital room. And I looked down at my son and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Aubrey, look at how needy he is. Mm -hmm. And, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't a a dark needy. It wasn't a a gross needy. It wasn't a bad needy. It was this beautiful neediness. Like my boy needed me. Like he was so dependent on me. And like my, you know, I needed to feed him. I needed to nourish him. I needed to nurture him or he would not survive. And it was this sweet, like magical, wonderful neediness. And in that moment, I don't know how to explain it, except to say that I felt like the Lord didn't remove needy from my heart, but um, redeemed it in such a way that I had a new understanding of it. Like I may had had named myself needy from the sin and abuse of those men in my life, but here was God with my precious little son saying like, what if needy is actually something else? Mm-hmm. What if your neediness for me, just like your son's neediness for you is one of the most beautiful, wonderful things in the world. And what if you are most human in your need for me? And in fact, what if when you act like you don't need me, that's not who you're supposed to be. But what if like, I created you to be met, like have your needs met by me. And it was just this moment where like the love of God intersected the false name that I had, you know, said over myself for years and totally healed and redeemed it by, by, um, changing it, transforming it. And of course, in so doing that, the Lord transformed my heart as well. But it, it was just, you know, sometimes the Lord does say like, no more, that name is gone. 
But I do think the other thing that God does is just what I talked about, sort of reconstruct our understanding of who we are so that um, the names we speak over ourselves are actually something beautiful and wonderful and can be redeemed by his power. And now what's funny is every time I hear somebody say, oh, you know, that person, they're so needy. I'm like, yeah, they're needy. They're a human being. Human beings are like that's right <laughs> we're, we're meant to be needy because that points us to the lord and that's okay that can mm. be wonderful especially again when our neediness points us to him and then he satisfies that that's so good and i think that's really important when we think about some of these other labeling type words like victim for example mm-hmm. that there is an element of truth that can exist in that yeah. label that yeah. yes, you were victimized, you were okay. hurt, you were exploited, that we don't need to look at that word always and associate something negative with it. Mm-hmm. There, other than the fact that it means that we were negatively impacted by somebody right. else, but that by allowing ourselves to actually recognize that that word describes our situation rather than our personhood, That the power then shifts into, okay, well, this is a situational descriptor, but it's Mm -hmm. not my full identity. And so we have to sometimes parse out what are the things that God wants to reveal in maybe some of those seasons, because like for myself, it moved from victim to survivor to victor. Mm. And there's a progression that happens there. And it's recognizing though, he's, he is the one who holds all of these words, you know, the power of life and death is in the tongue, but Mm. as far as what he's going to speak over us and what he is going to illuminate to us, he will show where that power really rests. He is the one. Where all of that power lies, right? So if it's a word that has any element in it that could lead us to freedom, it may be a flip of our understanding, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's a full-scale lie, then he's going to reveal those things. Or as you described, he's going to change completely where that comes from. That why are you ashamed of being needy? Of course you are. Of course you are. I created you that way so that you would be dependent on me because I can do more for you than you can do for yourself. But in our human experiences and our human interactions, we end up hurting each other with these names and these labels and these types of things. And we can spend years and decades underneath these titles that we end up putting an identity towards Mm -hmm. when perhaps it's something else. (laughs) I love that you just said that, Michelle, about victim, because I do think there are words like that. You know, I've been in a lot of like um, conferences about trauma or or Mm -hmm. abuse or what have you. And they'll say to the women, um, you're not a victim, you're a victor. And like you just said, like, yes, the Lord can bring you there. But I do think sometimes that can be invalidating to say you're not a victim when actually, no, like you Mm -hmm. have been misused, abused, you have been victimized. And there is some power, I think, in being able to name truly what has happened to you so that, like you said, you can move to survivor and victor and, you know, move -hmm. along that progression, but you do have to be able to name things for what they are in able, in order to be able to find freedom. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, there's another movement where it's like, you're not broken. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness, the Lord met me in my brokenness. Yes. Yes. I don't want to be in denial over the fact that I was broken and continue. We're all going to be continuing in some stage of healing. There's some stage of broken because Shalom was broken at yes. the fall, right? We're in a constant state of movement and redemption. But that's why I think this whole idea of naming is so critical because we are moving into redemption. We are moving into the future. We are moving back towards the ideal that God had an ideal for us and that all got destroyed and distorted. And God wants to move us now towards the kingdom. That's right. Not be focused on what these false names would try to drag us down into in our present. Yeah. And in these new names though, and in this new naming, transcending the things that we have experienced, but we have to have a level of 
reality and we have to have acceptance over some of these circumstances. For example, you mentioned Jacob, his name means deceiver. Right. And he lived into that name. Right. Right. So how more significant it is for him to be changed to Israel after Mm -hmm. living into that name, after walking in a life that was not going to lead towards intimacy with the Lord. There are three words every abuse survivor must hear. God hates abuse. Plus One Parents has released a devotional for abuse survivors called Safe Haven, a devotional for the abused and abandoned. Safe Haven is a biblically-based guide to abuse, giving you the tools that you need to identify it, respond to it, and heal from it. Safe Haven is now available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, and you can locate a link to purchase your copy down in the show notes. So, Aubrey, when it comes to this naming process, though, you talk in the book a little bit about being named forwards and named backwards, and I think this is kind of a fascinating phenomenon. So I wanted to know if you would describe the difference for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so going, let's see, where should I start? I guess I'll start with backwards. I'll try to go in order sort of. Um, so again, this is sort of an anecdotal experience for me, but I, um, you know, dealing with, dealing with some of my past pain and then dealing with, um, the reality of the past two years of just the pandemic and the isolation. And I mean, I don't have to describe it. We all know the world we've lived in for the past two years, the craziness. Um, I, for some reason, really wanted to know, and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about before. Of course, I know this in my head, but I wanted to know through Holy Spirit encounter. I wanted to know that God knew me before I knew him. And I I didn't come to Christ. So I was a little later in um, like a teenager, early teens. And I wanted to know that God knew me before I even knew who he was. And again, I know that, but I wanted to like know that experience that because there was, you know, sometimes I think we just can't be afraid of the the desires of our hearts. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, that was the desire of my heart. Lord, I need to know you were there before I knew you. Because I just felt like if I could sense God... God's presence in my childhood, then that meant his hand was in the middle of my healing journey and in the middle of what the world was going through now. And, you know, just, I don't know, that was the connection Mm -hmm. I needed. And so I just began to pray. And this is where I think we can't be ashamed of our prayers. Like, Lord, show me you were there in my childhood. Show me you were there before I knew you. And here's the crazy thing, Michelle, is simultaneously I'm writing this book on, you know, namedness. And I'm also praying that the Lord would give me a name. Now, he'd already done that work with Needy, but I was praying specifically for a name from God for Aubrey. Partly, I'll be really vulnerable with you because I wanted to be able to have that in the book. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm like, Lord, could you show up before I'm done? (laughs) Like this would make a really good feature in this book. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I'll I'll try to make this long story short. One of my very first childhood memories is um, something that I don't even know if it's a memory or if it's just a story that I've been told a million times because it's sort of our family legend. But we were, when I was two years old, we were camping in Mount St. Helens when Mount St. Helens began to erupt. And we got out of there. We were fine. But that's like the ethos of our family is that story. Like we survived Mount St. Helens. And every time I'm with my mom, just over the holidays, we tell that story again. And um, so I, okay, so that's my earliest story. Here I am in the middle of the pandemic, praying that God would give me a name and praying that God would show me that he was there before I knew him. So I was meeting with a spiritual director for about four years. Um, and we were coming to the end of our time together during the pandemic. And it was still, at least here in Chicago, things were really closed down. So we could only meet over Zoom. So we were ending our session together over Zoom, which was a little bizarre because if you don't know what a spiritual director is, it's it's a little different than a spiritual director. It's someone you meet with who listens to the Holy Spirit while they're listening to you and then guides you in some spiritual practices and speaks things over you and really an incredible experience. But so we were ending our four years together. And as we were um, ending our time in prayer, she said, Aubrey, there is a, there's a name and there's an image that I feel like the Lord wants me to share with you. 
And um, she pulled up on the screen the picture of a flower called an avalanche lily. Okay, it's a white flower with a yellow center. And she said, it's a flower that only grows in places of desolation, um, places of destruction. And then, um, you know, the metaphor was sort of obvious at the moment, like, you know, beauty from ashes and that. Mm -hmm. So she's talking about, of course, what God has done in my life over our four years together. And of course, I'm already crying. It's such a beautiful image. But then she stops herself and she says, but here's the thing. And I know this might sound crazy. But I feel like there is a very specific image of a very specific avalanche lily that God wants me to show you. She pulls up another image on the screen, and this time it's an avalanche lily, but it is from Mount St. Helens. And it Mm. says at the bottom, life springs back. She says, I don't know why, but God wanted me to show you this avalanche lily from Mount St. Helens. And I'm like, hold on. (laughs) Do you... And she doesn't, she didn't know the story about my childhood. She didn't even know that I was praying for a name or God to show up in my childhood. But I said, hold on. Did you just say you like this one or did you? And she's like, no, no, no. I know it sounds weird, but the Holy Spirit said, show Aubrey the avalanche lily from Mount St. Helens and, um, and tell Aubrey that her name is Avalanche Lily. Mm. And I mean, I'm weeping. And she doesn't <laughs> even understand the force of my emotions. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. You don't understand this prayer. I've been praying like mm. that God would show up answering two prayers at once as only God can do, right? Give me a name, show up in my childhood and show up at my earliest childhood memory, the earliest like story of our family. And that's what I mean by God names us backwards. Like God, you know, the Psalm says like, who are we mortals that you're mindful of us? And yet here was God since before I knew him revealing to me that he already knew me. He already had my path taken care of. He knew that literally the the eruption and the devastation and the destruction that would happen, but he also knew that he was always going to bring beauty from that. And so that was just one of the most tender, precious moments where like you were saying before, only God, you know, yeah. when you're the name daughter, Avalanche Lily was one of those things where I'm like, you know what, I, you're never going to be able to explain that away. Yeah. Only the Lord, only the Lord or some random coincidence, which I don't believe in. No, <laughs> not at all. So all that to say, I, I think it is, it is, you know, the Psalms often, David often talks about God knowing us. Of course, we know from Psalm 139 before we were born and being with us in the secret place before we were in our mother's womb. And so I do think that there's this um, biblical reality that we can pray that God shows us where he was in places before we knew he was there. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of trauma survivors, Michelle, I'm sure you've done this work. Some of the healing power is um, to pray, Jesus, where were you when this specific thing happened? And that's a difficult thing to do. You usually have to be with a safe person to do it with. But what you'll often find is that somehow God was there. Jesus was there, you know, with his arms around you or in front of you or protecting you or doing something um, when you didn't even know he was there. And, and that's part of that. I, that's again, part of our healing journey. So that's God naming us backwards. Um, God naming us forwards. Um, you know, I, I really believe something you were talking about that we are, we are in the process of becoming uh, who Jesus has already said we are. Mm-hmm. Right. So in Christ, for those of us who are in Christ, we are, we know this from scripture, we are new creation. We are clothed in righteousness. We are becoming like Jesus. Um, at the same time, we already are that, but we are in the process of becoming more and more those things. Mm-hmm. And so we are living into like our eschatological reality, our eschatological identity, who we will one day be especially for those of us who are walking with Jesus and surrendering to Jesus. God is at work, you know, making us more and more like him and making us into who he already says we are, which Mm -hmm. kind of a crazy concept. But um, this concept of of being named forward, I think is something one that we can remember when we're feeling down, when those false names are really loud, um, when we're in kind of those pits of despair again, or, or just those those false names are making us just so dejected that we can go, no, I know who God says I am. I know that I'm his daughter. I know that I'm his beloved. I know that I'm his new creation. I, I know that I'm his royal priesthood. 
And therefore, even though I don't feel it, or even though the enemy is after me, or even though the world is speaking otherwise, or even though my circumstances are so harrowing right now, I can remember that like there is an identity that I am being made into, shaped into by God's grace and by God's power and by the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. And then I think that the other powerful thing about this concept of naming for it is that we can name other people well. And I, I think this is so essential for the Christian. This is so essential for mamas. Like one of the things that I have been doing since my kids were really little, I actually haven't done it in a while. So every time I tell this story, I'm like, oh, I got to do this again is when my kids were little and I learned this from an older mom, um, I would uh, have them give me their hands, hand, give me your hands, boys. And I would grab each finger and I would name them something. You are such a good big brother. I love you so much. You are so strong and courageous. You are whatever it is. You are funny. You are creative and just, you know, name them one by one. And then it got, I'll never forget my youngest son one day, like took off his socks and had me name his toes. And he actually was like, can you name my ears too? Like any little, you know, body part that was sticking out, he wanted me to name. And, you know, that's obviously like a cute thing moms can do with their kids, but I think it's a powerful thing. Because then they begin to understand who they are when the world is screaming at them. And, and look, I'm telling you, we are in a culture right now that is so desperate to like be named by a certain tribe or by a certain identity mm-hmm. or by just a, and, and a, you know, a world that is trying to name us and own us all the time. And so I think it is essential for our spiritual battle to be able to name like, no, 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 you're not who the world is trying to name you. You don't have to get lost in all of this identity confusion. You know who you are because God has spoken these things over you mm-hmm. and God's word is unchanging and God's names for you are true. Um, and then, you know, beyond just even our kids, I think this is something we can do for the people in our lives all the time. And it doesn't have to be this massive ordeal. Like you see a friend and you think she's really great encourager, take the time to tell her. You see a friend and you think she's being really brave about something, send her a text message and tell her, like, name her or name him. Like, if there's someone in your life and you're like, wow, I see this great thing about them that's from God, tell them, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes this can be like, you don't even know what the Holy Spirit is going to do because he's already working in their life and they're working through something. And you just saying that goes, oh, the Lord sees me, you know, you minister to people, even Mm -hmm. you don't even realize like in this small way, Hey, I see this thing in you. That's from God. I just wanted to bless you with that name. You know, I feel like that's an extremely part, important part of the healing experience as well, because when we have been traumatized and we've been hurt, words can be very wounding and Mm -hmm. receiving words can feel extremely unsafe. And so one of the things that we may do is we'll either shut down so that nobody has the ability to speak anything into us, or we'll explain things away so that we don't have to receive that because it's just too uncomfortable. It may give us a sense of obligation even, but if you are the one who is forthcoming and saying, I recognize this in this person, and I'm just going to speak it. It gives us the ability to start babbling in vulnerability But it also gives us the ability to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is working within us to bless other people so that we can safely feel that if we're in safe relationships with people, we can actually start receiving those words back. That very often when we share these kind words, someone will say to us, wow, I was praying for that today. Or, wow, I just really needed that today. You know, And so it's learning how our trauma actually causes a severing of that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit or a resistance to being used for the work or receiving the work as it would come through other people. And so when we have the ability to go first forward and actually be the one to speak these things, that it starts to open the door then to us being able to eventually receive it. And I think so critically also that what you mentioned in terms of naming our kids This is something that we all have our own stories of this, but our kids are living this out in real time with us. And it's very easy to, if a child says, for example, well, I'm just dumb to say, oh no, honey, you're not. 
And I've come to understand in, in my relationships with my kids, our kids actually don't believe our press because they're like, <laughs> well, you're my mom. So right, you have right. to say that. Right. So even yeah. if I speak a truth, even if I speak a name, that's like, yeah. no, you have, you're so this and you're so that, or, you know, whatever. It's like, well, you have to say that, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's where, when we are rooted in scripture and we are seeking these things for ourselves, then we have the ability to say, actually, this is what God says about you, mm-hmm. you know, or if we're in community that we give our kids the opportunity to be with other mentor adults that can start speaking these things into us. So where they might not be like wanting to hear it from us, or they're just not going to receive it from us, that they still, there's still Avenue for them to receive it. And eventually, you know, we can pray that they would hear our words and, and go backwards and say, you know, Oh, my mom was there. And my mom said this about me and you know, that they could start to, to grab onto some of those realities, but we just never know really what's going to stick at what time. And just because we invest it today does not mean it's not going to bear fruit down the road, but road, right. it might not be today. <laughs> oh, it definitely won't be today. I, you know, that the older mom who taught me that, cause that was something she did with the hands. She, she told that story. And then she said that it was years later, her daughter was coming home from college. And the first thing she did was take off her gloves and like mm. hand her hand to her mom. And that I've always had that image in my mind, like, okay, one day right now they may sort of, you know, at yeah. some stage roll their eyes and think this is dumb, but like one day the payoff is going to be that they're going to come home and be like, mom, you know, yeah. Navy. Yes. And of course you don't, you don't know how the Lord is going to like you said, the seeds that are planted now, you don't know what the Lord is going to do in the future. But I love that concept of community too, because mm-hmm. of course need other adults that our kids will actually listen to yeah. speaking into their lives. And, and if they have that concept of naming our children well, or the other you know kids in the community well, then more power to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, the world is antagonistic in this way. You know, mm-hmm. I think you hit on something really critical in that this is an assault on our sense of belonging that these names we may want to belong to a very specific group as you mentioned tribe or you know this Mm -hmm. sense that we're carrying around these descriptors so we can fit Mm -hmm. but then so often things are heaped on us so that we feel like we don't fit so we Mm -hmm. feel like we have no place that we belong. So we feel that we are unacceptable. And then our life experiences reinforce those ideas. And so community, as you pointed out here, is one of the most scary, but then also one of the most beneficial parts of how this gets rewritten Mm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I actually just wrote that down as you were saying that, Michelle, because I, it is strange how sometimes, especially the Christian community can unfortunately be the place where you feel like you don't belong, but it's best. And when your, your community is living into who God says they are, that's when you're exactly right. Like are as vulnerable and scary as it is to be in community, authentic community, especially Christian community um, we are, we are not meant to live so isolated and individualized, and we are not meant to carry the burden and the pain and the healing on our own. Like the Lord uses other people in our lives, in our families' lives to, yeah, be a part of that healing process, that transforming journey. We really can't do it without community. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately a lot of people have been hurt by community, but I do think if we can find the resilience and the wherewithal and, you know, ask for God's guidance to, to find that healthy Christian community, there is no replacement for that in our, our transformation. You're Mm -hmm. exactly right. It community is where so much of the healing happens when you're ready for it. And that belonging piece happens too. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've found also too, you know, some of these, as we talked about labels and things like that before, we think about divorced, single mom, Mm. abused, like victim, all of these kinds of words, the power in them that we give to them will keep us from wanting to engage with people, will keep us 
holding back because we feel like this word is front and center on us. And you know what? In some contexts, it might be. And if that's the case, those people are not your people. <laughs> your people. <laughs> but I had such beautiful people that God planted in my life at very specific seasons to strip out all of the power that was in these words that were meant to hold me back and hold me down to the extent now where I feel that this word, while it describes my season and not my personhood, now is something that I want to go into my church and into my community, into the places that I'm called into and say, I want to teach you what this word means. Mm -hmm. I want to teach you what this experience is like. I don't need you to advocate for me. I can advocate for myself. And I want to share this with you that I understand that you might not yet understand what it is, this entire situation or, you know, what this is made up of, but I have the patience and compassion to walk in this community as a representative and be engaged in the process of drawing you in towards that. So now that power, that word doesn't have power over you. Now that word doesn't have power over our community. Now that word can't be used to divide us mm. in this church, in this community okay. that we're taking, we're going to take all of this back, right? <laughs> so what was used to keep me small and separated is now a thing that I'm just praying that the Lord continues in, in other women as well to be healed from the baggage that comes with these these titles so that we actually have the ability as a church to say, no, we see this all completely differently. And we're not letting the devil take a stronghold in our communities anymore. Love that. And, and only, I mean, this is what I think about the power of God too. Like only you who have walked through that and come through healing now have the authority to take ground in your church in that area. And Mm -hmm. Then And then I think the beautiful part is too, then you're not just consuming your church community, you're contributing to it. You're like, no, 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 look, I, I have this thing to bring to the table, my experience, my story, and it involves, I'm going to show you what this name actually means and how it's been used against me mm-hmm. or against other women. And we're going to, in Jesus name, we're going to put an end to that. And I just yeah. think that's, that's pain to purpose, you yeah. know, yeah. like, full circle stuff that only the Lord can do. I love that. Yeah. And I'll say it like, we didn't start there. We definitely started with me feeling like I got the scarlet letter on me and I needed the Lord to bring some other people into my life to be like, Michelle, you don't have to live into that. That's real. That's very real. Yes. 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 Aubrey, you've given us just such a great perspective on these words and how God works transformation in our lives through the naming experience. At the end of every conversation, I ask each guest the same question. And it is, if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? Oh, I just love that question so much. You know, my my dad's dad died when he was um, five, actually. My dad was raised by a single mom and um, she, four babies, that she had all, you know, by herself. And this is in like sharecropping Texas. So this is a long time ago. And this is like the poorest of the poor. And, um, man, that woman, that woman struggled. That woman gave her heart. That woman was literally sharecropping to care for her children. Mm -hmm. They had like dirt floors. But when I think about, it's going to make me cry. When I think about the fact that she poured Jesus into my dad, that my dad actually walked away from the Lord, but then came back and poured Jesus into me and my sister. When I, like I said, I first came to Christ a little bit older. And now I think about the impact that I get to have in my kids. And she, I mean, I think this is where the church misses so much. The mark when it comes to single moms is the impact that she has had generally generationally because of her faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ripple effects are impacting eternity And so that's what I would say to every single mom out there. Like, I know it feels wearying and I know some of you are, it feels like you're sharecropping, like, and it feels like there's dirt on the floors and, and there's so much that you're balancing, but I, the Lord sees the end of this and sees the multiplication that will happen miraculously because of your faithfulness. And so keep going And I would say to just like walk tall, knowing that you are his daughter, you are his beloved, and he has given you everything you need for this task. 
Mm, Aubrey, thank you so much for that. (laughs) Sorry, I need to collect myself. (laughs) (laughs) My spiritual gift. (laughs) I know. All right. That is just, that's everything. Yeah. But I know that I needed to hear, and I'm sure there's someone listening right now that needed to hear the same thing. Aubrey, would you tell listeners about your resources and how they can follow you? Absolutely. Thanks so much again, Michelle, for having me. And thanks so much for this awesome conversation. And I just love you. I love your audience. Um, you can find um, my newest book known anywhere books are sold. If you're an Amazon gal there on Amazon, if you like, you know, sort of your local bookstores instead, you can actually go directly to the publisher navpress.com or Tyndale.com and buy it there. And it's just known K N O W N how believing who God says you are changes everything. Actually, I have two other books, The Louder Song and Overcomer as well. Overcomer is about my my experience of um, assault. And then The Louder Song is about um, lament and grief and finding hope in those really dark seasons. Um, I'm also uh, pretty active on Instagram at obsamp. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, but not on those places as much. And then I have a website, aubreysampson.com. Um, you can also listen to me daily on The Common Good. It's a radio show in Chicago, but you can get it anywhere. And then I'm also part of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, which Michelle has yes. been on. And it's a really great resource for anyone, anyone in, in pain and suffering. So I would uh, recommend that to your listeners as well. Yep. And I'll put links down in the show notes to make it easy for listeners awesome. to find the yeah, resources. That's a lot to remember. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, Aubrey. It was great sitting down with you today. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also want to check out episode 104. Thank you. I'm sorry. Tell me more. Words that hurt, words that heal with Dr. Rod Wilson. You might also like episode 91, Your Spiritual Gifts, Experiencing the Power of God in Your Life and Relationships with Ashley Morgan Jackson. We'd love to invite you to get involved with the Plus One Parents community. You can join us on Facebook or Instagram at plusone.parents. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Also at plusoneparents.org, we are constantly adding new resources related to all of the topics that we cover here on the Christian Single Moms podcast. That's everything from parenting to dating to spiritual and emotional well-being. If you'd like to stay up to date on the new resources as we release them, you can join our mailing list there as well at plusoneparents.org. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this community and that you were able to join me for this episode today. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.